I'm so honored to be here with two amazing colleagues from Accenture, um, Jill Daly and Mark Prince. Welcome. Thank you, Yuri. So I thought we'd start the conversation by learning just a little bit about both of you. Um, if we could start just by learning about what your role is within Accenture and what you're most passionate about uh, that you do every day. Joe, we'll start with you. I lead our health strategy practice in the Northeast region, and I spend my time working with primarily health plans on how to identify opportunities for growth, how to think about innovation and bringing that to the clients, um, to their clients, and um, really trying to think about how to take advantage of the changes in the marketplace. What gets me really excited about this is the opportunity to actually transform healthcare. I know we all do, it's an overused term, we all do a little piece, but to be able to work every day with clients who are focused on creating a healthier world, that really aligns with our mission and uh, excited to be doing that. And we'll get more into this, but I imagine exciting times to be on the front lines with health plans these days. So I want to talk more about that in a minute. Uh, Mark, so tell us about your role and, and what you're most passionate about. So I work in digital transformation within Accenture Interactive. I've historically spent most of my time leading life sciences. I used to lead life sciences in IALA, which is our Europe, Africa, Latin America region. Um, and now I've moved to New York, so you might realize I'm not a native New Yorker from my accent. Um, and I've been here for a year and a half. But the thing I get most excited about is um, a new capability that I've been building within Accenture Interactive, which really identifies one of the challenges that we have internally that requires us to innovate in terms of how we show up and, and present our, our sales pitches to clients. Um, and historically, we've been very functional and we haven't relied too much on creativity and storytelling. But increasingly, you know, our competitor set isn't changing and it's more important now for us to turn up and be able to tell a story, be able to share what the human impact of the work that we're trying to sell to clients is actually going to deliver. Um, so moving away from some of the functional approach that we've traditionally taken and, and kind of moving to a more creative approach. So I now spend my time in six North America cities um, working with predominantly creatives, which isn't something I thought I would be doing when I joined Accenture. You both have um, such vast experience working with so many different types of, of key leaders in the health industry today. W what's going on at the front lines? What trends are you seeing? Um, where are we? What's the state of the industry? Jill, why don't we, we start with you? Just some of the things you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare today? Yeah, very timely question, um, obviously, with all the activity, uh, regulatory and otherwise. But I think what I would maybe focus on is some work that we recently completed, which was research with the CEOs of 30 health plans. And so, as a matter of fact, that's where I was coming from today from a readout with a client on the results of that work. And from talking with these industry leaders across the spectrum, there were three themes that really came out of these conversations. One was the idea that a universal business model is really a myth. So we would think with this transition to value-based care that there might be a target model, an ideal one to move to. And what we saw is that's really not the case and that it's very much dependent on the organization themselves, their, their digital capabilities, their access to capital, their CEO vision, and combined with the markets in which they operate and the um, appetite for disruption in this market. So really that whole idea that there are multiple business models that can be successful depending on the market and the organization. We always hear that healthcare is so regional. Um, so even with the business models, healthcare is regional? 
Absolutely. So we, one of the dimensions when we talk about the local market, you, when you look at what is the appetite of providers to move to value-based care or what is the appetite of employer groups to potentially contract directly with providers or to stay with a traditional model through a health plan and also looking at the state regulatory environment. So we see that the market in which we're talking about is really um, a hyper-local market. It's not a national footprint. In many cases, it's not even a state. It's a particular geography and set of systems and plans working together. Mm. Mark, so what are you seeing on the front lines today? And, and you talked about storytelling. I'm wondering if, if storytelling is also regional uh, in terms of what, what really resonates. Yeah, I mean, I think storytelling is important for everybody. I think, um, you know, kind of focusing on, you know, patients or humans um, and understanding what are the real needs and how are we going to meet those needs is increasingly important for all industries, but certainly in life sciences. Um, and I think we all know that, you know, the reliance on kind of new breakthrough products in pharma is really shifting away now to much more targeted biologic products, which cost a lot more to develop and therefore an awful lot more to prescribe. Um, and you also have to target patients a lot more than you used to before and demonstrate your value. So I think it's interesting how pharma companies are, are dealing with this and how they're also kind of dealing with the industry convergence that's happening. You know, people that are starting to play in their space and compete with them and understand what the role of a modern pharmaceutical company is. And it's really interesting when you think about pharmaceutical companies that have historically relied on, say, um, selling products for diabetes, um, treatments for diabetes. And now they're starting to think, well, do they also have a role in helping prevent diabetes mm. um, and preventing people from needing their products? Do they also have a role in helping monitor patients and helping patients monitor themselves and look after themselves better, as well as providing treatments for diabetes? So suddenly it's shifting a lot in terms of what their role is and how they're going to adapt to this new model of needing to provide more outcome um, on the value of their medicines, but also kind of a shift in how they engage directly with patients, which is something many of them haven't historically done or haven't historically done well. So with so many new entrants coming in to the healthcare space, we're seeing technology companies, consumer companies, even automobile companies, it seems like uh, in some way everyone is becoming a healthcare company. Um, what does that mean for the leaders of, of healthcare or, or those who have been leading healthcare over the last several decades and, and for maybe some of the um, organizations you guys come across, what do they need to do to really thrive in the future? To the research that I was referencing before, I remember sitting with one CEO who said, well, you know, there are all these new entrants coming into my marketplace and they're just little ankle biters. They're just kind of, you know, a little noisy on the edges, except for one of them is going to be a shark. Mm. And I don't know which one it is. So how do I figure that out? So I need to be able to work with the organizations that are attacking the most lucrative part of my value chain and make sure that I'm either partnering if they can do something better and be able to deliver those solutions or putting up the right defenses so that I can protect the components of my business that are most lucrative. That's actually one of the the things we're most excited about to collaborate again for the second year with, with Accenture is your Health Tech Innovation Challenge, as well as uh, do ecosystem development together. That's something you guys have really, I think, done a, a great job of around the world. Why is that important and um, how can partners sort of tap into that? 
So the Health Tech Innovation Challenge, we're really excited to be partnering again with Startup Health to, to conduct this challenge. And we are um, looking at, you know, having startups apply up until September 1st to be participants. That's the deadline, right? That's September 1st. Yep. And then we'll have regional rounds. So that can be in Boston and London, or this year we're excited to have added a location in Asia. So we'll have a round in Singapore as well. Um, and then the organizations will pa that pass through the regional rounds will join us at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference um, and the Startup Health Festival in January out in San Francisco. Um, and why is this so important? I will just maybe start by saying when we did this last year, it was amazing how much our established clients appreciated the opportunity to access all of these great startup ideas that they saw immediate relevance to their business and to be able to also help them advance their their objective. Each one of the startups did a great job in explaining what is the problem that they're trying to solve? How are they going to go about doing that? And what's the monetization strategy? And that really resonated with our established clients who participated as well. Mark, uh, you were talking about convergence of, of industries. It seems, well, there's this wave of, of startups and entrepreneurs also coming in as new entrants. So why is it important for uh, for industry to be working and paying attention to what's going on at these very, very early stages of, of market development? I think, again, it comes to the, the need to address a fundamental change in the business model moving forward. And that's going to come from many different places and sometimes not where you're expecting it to come from. You know, historically, pharma companies have really only focused on, you know, research and development into new pharmaceutical products. But now, all of a sudden, they're looking at new wearable devices that help patients better understand, monitor, and, and even diagnose and, and treat themselves. Um, more efficient ways to work. Um, and, and I think, you know, working with startups is great because, you know, although pharma needs to innovate, often from a regulatory point of view, they work on precedent. Um, an historic precedent. And there is no real precedent for innovation. So you kind of enter this regular whack-a-mole around regulatory. And this is something startups aren't you know, held back by. Um, and I think if pharma can you know, kind of leave behind the need to protect their IP and have exclusivity and really embrace the agile kind of iterative development and ideation and, and tremendous ideas that startups are bringing um, and allow them, those startups, to leverage the experience, the access, and the scale that the big pharma companies have, for example, I think the possibilities are almost endless. And, and I think it needs to be a real coming together and, and convergence and understanding the value that both parties bring and not one trying to dominate another, which I think is often what happens and can scare startups away from big pharma. Um, and I think our role in that can be the bridge builder and that's what we see in the Health Tech Innovation Challenge, you know, being the bridge builder to bring those two groups together and try and help mediate that partnership in the best way we can to drive the outcomes that pharma needs, startups need, and, and actually, more importantly, we all need as patients. Mm. That's the most important thing. Yeah, it was really... Um Exciting to see all the leaders that assembled at the the final announcement, the judging uh, at last year's Startup Health Festival, um, and these are you know major leaders of major healthcare companies from around the world, and and how involved they were with supporting these startups. I thought that was really exciting and impressive, and we need more of that as an ecosystem. So very much looking forward to seeing how this develops again this year. Um, any other tidbits on what's new, maybe types of 
companies or entrepreneurs you're hoping that participate? It's more, it's global this year, going to be in Singapore um, for one of the, I think, first calls for um, judging is in Singapore. Um, are, are any other things in particular um, that you're looking for? I would really like to see some surprises. Back to that kind of notion of industry convergence, I would really um, encourage entrepreneurs and startups out there that are in the growth phase that have a beta prototype to really think how could this apply to health or life sciences, even if it's not necessarily the applicability that initially the business case or the plan or the prototype was designed to do. Um, because I think, you know, we are seeing um, surprising things happen all the time. Um, and, you know, many of those come from places that, you know, we weren't seeing. I mean, I would love to see a car where, you know, you spend so much time driving around and you grab the steering wheel and the steering wheel is able to take your blood pressure and advise you, you know, kind of what's the, the trend, you know, from the last kind of six or seven times that you were driving. I mean, it really is endless when you think about the possibilities and the application of digital technologies to healthcare and all the different industries that they could sit in. It's like you said, everybody is kind of in health these days. So I would love to see some of those really out of industry innovations coming in. I'd love to see somebody that's developed a product for automotive turning up at the Health Tech mm. Challenge. Um, I think that would be great. You know, I also think that what would be really great is that we've talked a lot about consumerism over the last two mm. years, or if not longer than that. Yet when you talk about, have we actually moved the needle on making the experience seamless and integrated for the patient? We have not made enough progress. If you talk about whether we've used consumerism as a way to actually bend the medical cost curve, the answer is no. And so I would love to see um, some organizations that have concrete ways to do that, that take that patient-centric view or member-centric or consumer-centric, right, and um, have concrete ways that they can actually influence behavior and the outcomes that make it better for everyone. It does seem like the last, let's call it five to 10 years, has been this first wave of innovation very much leading us to what I believe is we're entering a, a second wave of innovation where some more dramatic leaps forward may happen because of the hard work that's the pipes that have been laid, the connections, the silos that have been connected over the last few years, as well as the new industry coming in and, and the, the key players uh, coming in. What, what are both of your takes on, on where we're going, what the next few years look like in terms of innovation in, in health? Jill, start with you. Um, I think the biggest question is going to be, will enough leaders in the industry be willing to take a leap of faith? Because a lot of the change that we've seen over the last five to 10 years, if we're really critical about it, it was because wet cement was created with the passage of healthcare reform. Mm. And so even if you look at the trends around the transition to value-based care, there's movement, but nowhere near um, the level that would have been anticipated if we had this conversation five years ago and we're predicting the future. There's a little bit of a wait and see with changes in the regulatory environment. And so I do think there's an element of saying, there are certain steps that we should take regardless of what might happen in Washington or anywhere else and take that leap of faith to really work together and try to change the healthcare environment in a particular community. Um, from my perspective, I think, you know, one of our big challenges is we have 
more technology than our ability to solve some of the ethics challenges, um, you know, and, and therefore we don't, you know, kind of leverage as much as we can. Um, I think even with self-driving cars, we're having to now address some of those ethical issues around responsibility and ownership and legal accountability. And I think as we do more of that in healthcare over the next couple of years, what we'll then be able to do with the technology that already exists is endless. And um, I watched a great video the other day. It was uh, it was an animated video. It was a few years old. But it was a guy standing in front of a mirror that was able to diagnose from his color that he looked under the weather and take his temperature and ask if he wanted to, you know, order medicine and get it delivered from the pharmacy and, you know, kind of prescripted an email to his boss to say he wasn't well. And you think today with kind of infrared technology to take your temperature, um, you know, kind of video cameras in mirrors, Alexa, AI, even here in New York, you can even get capsule to deliver your pharmaceuticals to your home or work all the technology that we need to be able to make that two or three year old animated video that was at that time future looking now exists and all we have to do is connect those technologies make services that add the value to customers and patients that we're talking about um, but also kind of bring all of those different technologies and industries together to create valuable solutions to um, improve health comes for patients and, and communities and, um, you know, and the world. I mean, it sounds, you know, ridiculous to say it, but, you know, applying some of these technologies in third world countries as well, which is also something we saw a lot at the health tech challenge, it is amazing what you could do that wouldn't have otherwise been possible in rural locations. So I think it's going to start to become more of a reality rather than future thinking animated videos in the very near future. There really is a global opportunity. Um, it, it seems often the discussion here is focused on the $3 trillion industry, the 350 million people here, it's close to 7.5 billion people in the world, uh, billions of new people coming into the healthcare market huge global opportunity. The, the big question is, who will lead the future of health and healthcare? Will it be a healthcare company, a technology company, a consumer company? Um, what do you guys think? Or is it just uncertain at this point? Well, one of the things I think is interesting is first, if we think about, we have all these people in the environment, but we have in many countries, an aging population. So you have a need to treat seniors in whatever way makes sense. But we also have then the millennials who are entering in, and they have different expectations. And so I think the challenge is going to be, regardless of where the player comes from, the ability to meet these distinct needs of what will be the two largest segments of the population, so uh, who don't necessarily resemble one another. And I don't just mean by age, but by you know lifestyles, buying behaviors, etc. So I think that's going to be a really big challenge. And someone who can seize that, um, it's going to be well set up for success. I'd also like to think that, you know, and you talked about millennials and millennials have a lot more social responsibility generally mm -hmm. as a group. And I think it's also interesting, you know, not just how we would capitalize on the rest of the world and third world countries, because I think we also have a, a responsibility, a social responsibility. You know, would I choose one drug or service over another if I knew that my choice was helping five people in another country that were less fortunate than me? 
I'd like to think that I would, and that that could again encourage the development of new services that you know could actually be even be monetized. Um, you know, in some of the the bigger, more developed countries, and the beneficiaries of that also being people in poorer countries that can't afford that same level of treatment. Um, so I think again, you know. All companies are realizing this kind of you know, social kind of responsibility that we all feel, and and I think that's interesting as well. I would hate to think that we're all just going to you know go and commercialize everything in the rest of the world, um, mm. and you know kind of make it all about profit. Um, and I think that's something that you know again I saw last year. What I'm I'm hoping is the same sort of thing we've seen with telecommunications, with other industries, banking. We're seeing it in Africa throughout India and other places in Asia where the the business models are so radically different. The cost needs are so different that it becomes truly transformative the way Skype was or WhatsApp or, or other uh, solutions in other industries. It will be very interesting, I think, to see if that ricochet effect uh, comes back and how that impacts other other markets. Uh, it's going certainly going to be very very exciting. Um, last question: lessons, advice for startups, um, what they could or should be doing to get more success with with these healthcare leaders today. I think there are probably two components to that. Uh, one is that yes, it is an attractive target market to go after to say we, we this is a big problem. There's a lot of dollars um, in the market space, and there's opportunity for improvement. But with that, it becomes really difficult to be specific about what problem you're addressing. There have been a lot of entrants that have come in saying, "Well, we're going to be able to move fast. We're going to put a lot of money against you know this issue of the rising costs in healthcare." But at the end of the day, they're not specific enough about what they're doing. So, for example, if you say, "I want to have the best." Um, chronic condition management solution. Well, that's great, but there are lots of chronic conditions. So I think part of the success of, of players in that space has been picking one that is a um, you know particularly prevalent condition, and then working that, establishing your leadership in that area, and then thinking about how that could potentially be applied elsewhere. And I think the second piece, even though I imagine that we would all share this view, is to keep the faith and maintain the enthusiasm because there will be headbanging along the way for sure, um, but that there's a real opportunity here that can truly impact the quality of life. So keep at it. Persistence. Focus and persistence. Yeah. I'm going to add storytelling. As we keep talking about storytelling, and storytelling is such a passion of mine, I think, and even at the Health Tech Challenge last year, um, I saw um, great ideas that maybe didn't score as well because they weren't communicated well enough. Um, and I think, you know, always remember that you've got to tell a story. And a story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I think the beginning, to your point, is, you know, what is the challenge you're solving? And what evidence do you have that that's a real challenge and that there's a real gap in the market to solve that challenge? Next is how are you going to do it? And how is the way that you're going to do it unique or innovative or better than somebody else that's also trying to solve the same challenge as you? And then the final thing is, what is the outcome? What is the outcome for people that you're asking to invest in your business? But also, what's the outcome for humanity? What's the outcome for patients? Um, and being able to you know, paint that very clear picture 
um, in a very short period of time and be able to do that very confidently is really, really important. Um, because so many times I see great ideas that I think are really good ideas, but I'm not quite sure. And it leaves me guessing a bit. And I think you've got one opportunity at the Health Tech Challenge. And just make sure you don't leave anything to chance. You know? and, and then I think the point that you made as well is great. You know? Not everybody is going to see your vision, but not everybody needs to see your vision. You need to get one really good investor to kind of back and see your vision. Uh, and so just keep at it as well. You know, don't get disheartened. You know, don't let um, mm -hmm. knockbacks, you know, kind of set you back. You know, just keep going at it. And if you truly believe in it and it's truly um, meeting an unmet need and, and, you know, dealing with a real challenge that exists and is going to improve patient outcomes or just people's outcomes in general, um, somebody at some point is going to back you and invest in it. So calling all entrepreneurs to apply by September 1st uh, for the Health Tech Innovation Challenge at Accenture.com. And we will put a direct link in the, the show notes and on the post here. Uh, but I want to thank Jill and Mark for sharing your wisdom with uh, the community and the ecosystem and for all that you do. Very much looking forward to uh looking at the great entrepreneurs and meeting them at this year's Startup Health Festival and seeing what great innovations uh, are to come. So see you January 8th, if not sooner, uh, at San Francisco for the uh, Startup Health Festival and Accenture Health Tech Innovation Challenge. Thank you.